Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Not doing not too bad. Just getting uh, you know, stuff ready, getting excited to head up to the, the draft later this week. Uh so yeah, really just looking forward to that, doing a lot of draft prep, uh, watching a lot of uh, film on guys. So it's been good. Obviously. Happy 4th of July to everyone listening to this episode, even though we're not recording it on the 4th. Yes, yes. Um, I actually, I get the entire weekend. Well, I get Friday and Monday off. I got Friday off because, I mean, Canada Day, obviously. Happy Canada Day, to belated Canada Day to our listeners. And then, um, yeah, but I get I get flex days during the summer and I just, I took Monday as one. So I get a four day weekend. It's pretty nice. It feels weird because we record this on Sundays. It it feels weird recording this. And in my mind, it's like, it's Sunday, but it's also Saturday because I still have another weekend day. So yeah, um, I fully woke up I thought it was was Monday and all this stuff planned. Like, oh, I got to call like this person, book an appointment. And like, I was like, oh, damn. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, Actually, I got a ton of stuff done on Canada Day. Uh, more places than I thought were open, so I got a ton done. Oh, there was like nothing open here, so we yeah, yeah. were all just hanging out. I mean, we did miss last week this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, just the timing didn't work out, but we do have one planned for Thursday this week uh, coming out where we're going to do kind of a pre-draft episode, look at some potential targets that will be in the Panthers' range. Obviously, they don't have a first-rounder this year. Uh, and I don't anticipate they're going to find, you know, they're going to trade for a pick in the first round. Um, so, and, looking- and we'll have, we'll have salary cap expert Jacob Barker on, on to talk about a little bit of the draft. Yeah. So we're excited to have him on. So we'll talk about that and uh, see some late round targets. I got a couple guys in mind. Definitely complicating it though, is all the stuff going on uh, with Fedotov right now, the Flyers goalie prospect in Russia. Yeah, I so I saw I saw he what was it? He got poisoned. Yeah, it was like they went and picked him up for his military service. Like they went to arrest him. And then in that process, somehow he ended up in the hospital. Very weird situation. Yeah, yeah. I I just saw a headline. It was like, oh like this is this is whatever. Crazy story. Yeah, and you got to think, like, I know, like, in the past, you know, there's been, like, a Russian factor when it comes to draft picks. To me, this is entirely different. Like, this is a more legitimate thing in terms of if you're going to draft a Russian player, are you going to be able to get them over? Yeah. Right, and that's got to be, um, yeah, a lot of teams have to be concerned about that. Especially 
going into next season, next next year's draft, when you have a prospect of Matvey Michkov's caliber. Yeah. You know, it's and he's signed through with Moscow, I think, till 2026. And then you you add in all the other implications of drafting a Russian. And I I think it's gonna make it really, really interesting for teams. I don't think he's gonna go second overall for that reason. No, he probably drops into third because for all those reasons. Um, which is a shame because he is the first or second best player in that draft. Exactly. But it's got to be a real concern. I think we're going to see a lot of – there's some really good Russian-eligible players in this draft, and they're probably going to drop significantly in the draft for just because of everything that's going on. Which I don't think it's is fair necessarily just because – like I feel – you know, it's really, really tough to punish the country and not the individual. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what, what what's happening is we're we're just we're kind of blending that and we're just punishing individuals. Um but, but at the same time it's like it's probably like it, it's what has to be done but in my mind the biggest fu to like Russia and Putin would be to steal the Russian players because they well, don't, I don't think, there's I don't nothing think, they hate more than that. I don't think it's a question of like like if there's like let's say there's Dinola Yurov, right, uh, a good player playing over there in Russia, right, and like you might want him, you might think he's good, right, and he might want to come over, right, but it is Russia gonna let him? And you're not maybe like it's not the like the players being hurt by Russia, not by the team right. drafting, right. Like their their concerns are legitimate and has nothing to do with the player and everything to do with policy. What where where my where, where my point about hurting the player would be like if a player drops because of that. Yeah. Then I feel like you're it's not necessarily Russia hurting, it's also the team drafting that's hurting. But I think there's pressure coming from both ends. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's pressure coming from both ends. It's actually like there was a the Pavel Bure story, I think, is pretty good in that when he came over to play for the Canucks. Yeah. Like, the, there was some sort of... Uh, I, I remember reading Brian Burke's book, and he talks about it, but that was, like, an implication of it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I, I can't remember exactly what the story is, but I know there was some sort of finagling involved. Well, yeah, and it's like, well, they have, like, yeah, they had, like, the CHL import draft, right? And the CHL said you're not allowed to draft Russians, right? Which to me, unless again, unless they were eligible last year and re-entered the draft, yeah, because there was a couple that went. Because I think, yeah, exactly. But, but at the same time, like I get, like for that, that is an example of the CHL punishing the players instead of the country, because it's a lot better if those players leave Russia. It makes Russia look worse if you're able to draft those players and those players decide to come over and play, you know, in Moose Jaw. Like, that's that's what you'd want if you were the CHL. Yeah, I, I won't speak to this subject, but, like, it, yeah, it's, it's really hard to find the balance between punishing, like, the country and punishing the individual. And the balance really ideally is, ideally is not punishing the individual, but... It, it it's, kind of, hard it's kind of inevitable in most situations. Yeah, they kind of just get caught in the crossfire. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you feel kind of bad from that way. But I anticipate like that's what we're going to see on draft day. 
Absolutely. Specifically players in that CSK system. Yep. With Benadol, like that like and there are some good ones there, I imagine. That they yeah. probably yeah, you know, drop a lot or don't even get drafted at all. But exactly. It'll be interesting for sure. Again, we'll talk more about draft stuff on the next episode. Uh, in the meantime, we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks. So obviously Stanley Cup final has ended since then. Colorado winning. Are you surprised at the win? A little, yeah. I yeah. honestly thought when Tampa won game three that Tampa was going to win the cup again. Yeah. And I don't want to say they got lucky winning in overtime in game four, but there was a lot of lot of gray area mm-hmm. on the ice. Um, I agree with the call, to be honest with you. I think it's fine. Um, but I, I just I, – it's so interesting how there were two overtime games in that series. And, like, that's just – that goes to show how close you can get, yeah. right? Because overtime is – it's 50-50. Yeah. It's a lucky bounce. It, it really is. Like, it, when you get to overtime, like, any team can win. Like, if Tampa wins game one and then wins game four, those overtime 50-50s, we're talking about a completely different series. Even if they win one of the two, it's a 2-2 series going back to Colorado, and it's a best of three. So I, I think it goes to show just how, you know, how, like, yes, like. The, the margins are very small. The margin of error is insane. Right. It's, it's, you can get, you can go so far, yet fall short and so short. Yeah, like, it, it's it, just it's insane. It's definitely the it's the hardest trophy to win in sports for sure. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like there are like again, yeah, like you said, like there's series where it's like you could lose four straight games by the smallest of margin and you've you've been swept, but you know, if every game's a one goal game, a couple of them are in overtime, like that series can play out so differently. And the gap between the is just so small, but exactly. Know. Exactly, and you know they go such a long way. It's it's crazy, but I'm happy with the result. I yeah, mean, well, I, I, I think, think they, we, I think they deserved it too. Yeah, you. exactly. And I think we we talked about this, um, like last time we we had an episode is that we wanted Colorado to win, but the the hunch was that Tampa Bay was going to win. So I'm I'm glad that that scenario didn't pan out, and um. That the Colorado won, and hopefully they don't they don't put too many more dents in that Stanley Cup. The Cup's having a rough one. It's having a really rough one. Did you see the guy in the bar? Uh Curtis McDermott falling over. Yeah, unreal, great stuff. It was, and then and then you see you see Phil Pritchard coming to the rescue right after. He must be living a nightmare right now. Yeah, I think every side like. Like same thing with like the capital summer too, or it's just like it's gotta be so stressful. Like it must be so high stressed. Because it's not like that's like a part of his job. Like that's his entire job. It's that is his cup. job. He has one job. <laughs> and every summer he's just up against it. Oh man, it's it's so good. But uh yeah, no, they're they're enjoying it. They deserved it. Kale McCarr, Con Smythe winner. 
also deserved it. Well, I mean, what he's done is absolutely unfathomable. It's crazy to think about. No, to be that good at that young, like, it's absurd. Right. And youngest defenseman, Con Smythe winner since none other than Bobby Orr, I think, like, 53 years ago. Yeah, like, he's unbelievable. And I and he's locked up long term at like a nothing like a good deal, but like underpaid. Definitely. He's what, what was it, six years, nine, nine and a half million? Yeah, something absurd. And, and it's nine. It's it's so fascinating, right? And you might hate me for bringing this up, but like it's so fascinating oh, to compare yeah. who else is getting paid that exact amount of money, that term for you know, at, at the same position. Like, you look at a guy like Seth Jones who's getting paid more for more term, and I can't even think of a scenario in which Seth Jones would be a unanimous Conn Smythe winner. No, like, because there was a lot of contracts signed that offseason for, like, defensemen, and Seth Jones kind of set the market for it. He, he and then a- Darnell Nurse followed. Yeah. And then Kale McCarr was like, ah... Give me less. The only other guy that I think is in that price range that I think could is probably as good for the money. Heiskanen is uh, who? Heiskanen. I was not going to say Heiskanen. I don't think Heiskanen is as good. I was going to say McAvoy. McAvoy's unbelievable. I I just Charlie McAvoy is so freaking good. I, I can't get over that. Um, but. It's that's what's so impressive, and the the fact that he, you know, he took that pay cut because everyone knew that he was immediately and he was already a Norris candidate last year. Yeah, he was already worth more than that deal when it was signed, and and he's only gotten better. Exactly, and he's only twenty three. It's you look at that, and it's like it's going to make Colorado such a ridiculous team for so long. Is that that deal? Yeah. Right, like even Absolutely. when even when Nathan McKinnon resigns, like he'll get a pay increase, but like they're set up so well with the cap right now. Exactly, and I think a lot of that stems from, you know, they didn't, he didn't uh, break the bank to sign Grubauer. No, and instead they traded for Kemper, and I think that that well, I mean, I don't think it clearly obviously worked out for them. Oh, yeah. Um. And, I, I, you know, a lot of it is going to hinge on who they get between the pipes next or if they keep Kemper. I don't know. Um, I, there's I a think lot of goalies out there. There's a lot of goalies out there. There's a lot of good goalies out there. Um, I'm really interested to, to see what's, what's going to happen. But they're, they're poised to be a good team for a long time. And I'm so happy just that yeah, Tampa's done. Oh, thank God. Like... I want to say that they're done. They're not going to be in the final next season, but I would not be surprised to see it. Yeah. I mean, when I say done, I mean, like, at least they didn't, well, they finally didn't win. Exactly. And I think everyone was really rooting for that outside of Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, like, lots of other stuff going on in the offseason with regards to, you know, Panthers and other teams. But on the injury front, Anthony Duclair out for half the season with an Achilles injury. How big a loss is this to the Panthers, do you think? It's a really, really tough bounce. 
Um, I don't. How many how many months is he projected to miss? I think he's supposed to come back like exactly halfway through the season. Like, it's gonna hurt for sure. But I hate to say it, but you're not you're not losing a Barkov. No, like you're not losing a Barkov. You're you're losing a relatively depth piece who had a career year last year. And I think that from what we've seen from the other from the rest of the depth is it creates an opportunity for someone else to really prove themselves. And the first name that, that came to mind for me would be seeing Maxime Mammon getting like more playtime and more exposure. You know, uh, I'm not gonna lie that when you started that sentence, I thought you were gonna say Saran Noel. Listen. Saran Noel, it's a long-term project. He'll make it. I would forget Saran Noel exists if it weren't for you in this podcast. Saran Noel, it's, it's oh, he's so young. You he can't so say big. anything. He's so big. He's so young. So, yeah. Um, but I, it's it's a really tough loss, I think, for Duclair. And I, I really, really, I think. Having him around the team was really, really good too. Yeah, he was a great ambassador in the community. That exactly, but and like, and to be fair, it's not like he's died. Like, yeah, you can still go to community events. Exactly. Um, so it, it's not the end of the world. It's not ideal. That's what I'm gonna say. No, it is. And it is tough though that like, if if a guy's gonna get hurt, you'd want it to be like not that bad. So he doesn't miss that much time. Or so bad that you can put him on LTIR and he can come back in the playoffs. And this is like, no, it's like halfway through the season. So it doesn't give you that option of LTIRing him. Exactly. Um, which is unfortunate because then you, you just got him there eating cap space. Um, if you're the Panthers, do you try to look at replacing Duclair with someone? Do you look to the market or? I don't know if I try to replace him. Um, it, it'd be the equivalent of finding a, finding a temp person, right? I I don't think so. I don't think you you need to address that need. I think you have far more glaring issues in the lineup that you need to take. Well, not really issues, like not glaring, but, but like just you have more. Like- you have more. You have other areas to focus on that are more important to address than addressing a potential Duclair replacement for half the season. But if you combine it with, let's say, they don't like Marchman's priced himself out, doesn't look like Giroud's returning. Now you've got, you know, a third of your top nine from last year that's gone. And as much as we love to talk about, you know, the Panthers have been so great offensively to add another guy in might not be a bad idea. And then Duclair comes back halfway through the year. If you can find someone at below market value, or if you can move a body out uh, in order to bring someone in. Yeah. Like wouldn't be surprised if we also saw maybe Denisenko get a full-time roster spot. Yeah. I think this is probably the best 
the stars have aligned. I don't, I'm not sure if that makes sense. The opportunity is um, there for him. Exactly. This is like probably the best opportunity he's had to get a roster spot. So I'm real interested to see if if he's going to be able to. Um, you know, he had a good year in the AHL. So he he's earned it. It's it's just it's up to him to to prove that he deserves it. Yeah. No, I think absolutely that this is the best opportunity he's going to have uh, to kind of get into that top six for the Panthers. Um, and for, yeah, for replacing Declare, like Declare was fantastic last year, but it's still going to be a good team with him on IR. Uh, but if there is you know, a possibility of getting someone who's on a real bark and contract or free. Like if there's, if there's any way to get someone at below value, I think you should do it. Yeah. And I think you're what the Panthers did last season was proved to a lot of people that it can be really, really fun to play in Florida. You have a lot less pressure than anywhere else. The group of guys is amazing. And I think it could become one of those spots where guys might pay a little or take a little less because of all those factors. And because the team is going to be competing for the Stanley cup again. Yeah, exactly. Like it would become a desirable market, which is a huge advantage going into free agency. One guy though, and really, I really think would be a good fit for the Panthers. And I know offense is not their priority. It should be goaltending and defense. But Yessi Pugliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers. You do love Yessi Pugliarvi. I, I love Yessi Pugliarvi. They're running him out of town right now. The media is just dragging him through the mud. First of all, incredible vibes, this guy. He's always smiling. He's always smiling. So the vibes are incredible. He's Finnish. And he's excellent defensively. Like, I, I would love I would love that. I... I I do think he's going to be a little pricier because I think a lot of people see that in him. I don't. He's know. a huge. He's a huge like presence on the ice, and he can rip the puck. Well, to me, he's one of those divisive players where like there are some people, especially analytics people, who love him, but you hear from older hockey scouts, and they're like, "No, nah, I don't like this about him. He's not a good finisher. He's not a good this that." I think part of it is probably comfort level too, like. Being an eminent, there's not he's not surrounded by a ton of Finnish players. I think if you put him in a situation where he's a lot more comfortable, say with you know Barkov and Lundell and some Finnish guys that he's around, like he's around the similar age as Lundell. I think mm-hmm. you would get. I think you would get a lot more out of him, and I don't think he's going to be that expensive to acquire. I realistically think, like, you could swap prospects and maybe a roster player who's not valuable to you. Yeah, I I think the price would be a little more than that, to be honest. But it, I think the fits there. Yeah, I I like I think the price should be higher. I don't think. I mean, um, if you look at Edmonton and the way they operate, like you look at the, the Duncan Keith trade, right? And you look at some of the other moves they make. I think they. I don't think that they evaluate their guys very well. And the problem 
the I think the problem is that the Oilers made it to the conference final. I think that's the problem because you look at their team and like they brought in Duncan Keith, they brought in all these guys that you just but it, it kind of worked. But did did Duncan Keith get them to the conference final or did like McDavid and Drysaddle kind of do most of that work and Duncan Keith's only notable play was getting walked by Adrian Kempe in overtime? I agree. I agree. Yeah, but, but I agree that like they'll learn their I, own lessons. I think a lot of people are going to look at that and they're going to go, they're this close. When in fact, they're this far. Yeah. You know, and... McDavid and Drysdale can make them look a lot closer than they are, but they need they need a better team around them to win. Exactly, exactly. So it's gonna be really, really interesting. Like personally, like if I was Edmonton, I would never trade Poliarvi. It would never come across because he's the type of player you need to win. Like legitimately, the only off thing about him is his shooting percentage, and he skates kind of weird, but he's not slow. But everything else about his game, you gotta love. Yeah. Like, he plays hockey the right way, TM. Yeah. And so, if, if you can – if Edmonton's undervaluing him, I think a team should bring him in, and I think Florida would be a perfect fit. Uh, I think so, too. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they 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 find that balance of, like, finding those, those value picks and just, like, seriously bolstering their defense. Yeah. Because I think – we we talked about this. I think that's the that's the main issue right now. So it's gonna be really really just interesting to see what we get. Yeah, there, there's a lot, I a lot of options out there for the Panthers. Um, we'll get into that throughout the off season. Uh, but next up, we're gonna do a quick ad read and then talk about the newest addition behind the Panthers bench. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. My goodness. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. And plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, Noah. Paul Maurice. Do you like the move? I do. I did not see the move coming. No, I was. I didn't see it coming. I should have seen We should uh, We should, probably should have. Why? I don't know. Paul Maurice just seems like like what a guy. To be honest, that the Paul Maurice move and the Rick Bonus move, I didn't see Rick Bonus uh, 
coaching again. I thought he was done. I don't think Rick Bonus saw it either, but then Barry Trotz dipped. Like, so really, really interesting. Um, but the the first the initial thought is like, who doesn't like Paul Maurice? Right? I Jets fans. Oh well, yeah, Jets fans. <laughs> Um, I, I think that, that you're getting a really, really good character. I think that, and, and that's obviously a huge part of, of coaching. Um, and he had some, some really good, um, seasons in Winnipeg, but it's, it's not, it's not a done deal. I, I don't know how much of an improvement it is yeah. on Brunette. And I have no idea what, what's going to happen with Brunette. I feel like he's been he's been a victim of this situation. It, you feel bad for Brunette, yeah. for sure. I think they've yeah. done him dirty. Yeah. But it's business. It's going to happen, right? Yep. That's just the nature of it. It sucks. You feel for people because I'm sure Andrew Brunette's a great guy. But, it, you know, it's tough out there. Uh, as for Paul Maurice, first of all, I think the people who should be most excited about this are the Panthers reporters who get to interview Paul Maurice every day because the guy's a quote machine, right? So your job just got a lot easier. So you're probably the most excited group. When it comes to Paul Maurice as a coach, and I know we've seen on Twitter from Panthers fans, there's a lot of people who love the move. There's a lot of people who don't love the move. Now, to be clear, I love Paul Maurice. I I do think he's a good coach. But I was still a little hesitant when he was the pick, you know, especially with the way things kind of ended in, in Winnipeg and um, rumors circulating around that team. But his first conference with the team was really reassuring, mainly because the two things that you noticed was, one, he was very excited to be in Florida, right? Who he, wouldn't be? He, he was very fired up by talking with Bill Zito. That was number one. The other thing he mentioned that is he didn't want to change um, the system too much. He kind of wanted to play a similar system to what the Panthers have done. And I think that's the right thing to say because the system's working. And so if you can keep it relatively similar and tweak around the edges and just have it coming from a different voice and a different type of personality, I think this I don't I don't think there's gonna be any drop off of this team. I think they're still gonna be great on the ice. And we'll see a lot of similar stuff to what we saw last year. So I like that. That to me, that's reassuring. Um, also a lot of tension being focused on, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the kind of toxic culture and locker room that they have over there. And I think that's one where I'd put that, like, I know it's a coach's job to kind of rein in the players, right? All I'm going to say about this is the, the, the Panthers don't have Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Right. Like to me, like to me, th- those two players in Winnipeg made it impossible for Paul Maurice to create a good culture. Like at, at a certain point, the it's, it is the coach's job to reel in a good culture. It's also the captain's job. It's also the assistant captain's job. It's also the assistant captain's job. And I think that's that that speaks that, that says a lot about uh, 
where the culture stems from in uh in winnipeg um and i I think that the panthers you you look at them they already have that core of like they gets along so you don't necessarily have i i didn't worry about that. No, you know, I thought there were some people that were. I, I figured just two completely different situations. Yeah, like I know there's some people worried, but to me, like I think that culture doesn't happen without those players there, and I think it was just a tough situation for Paul Maurice to be in, and I think he's gonna have no. I think the culture is good in Florida, and I think Paul Maurice is gonna be able to fit right into that, and I'm sure he'll be you know liked and be able to get the most out of guys, and I don't think you're gonna see uh, what we've seen in Winnipeg. The other thing I find really interesting, though, is when you look at the Winnipeg Jets and the last, you know, let's say five seasons, right, uh, where Paul Maurice was the coach there. And they had some really successful seasons, but that team's built so differently to the Florida Panthers. Mm -hmm. And I think the big thing that's going to be a huge benefit is the types of players the Panthers have. Because in Winnipeg, Mark Shifley, noted garbage defensive player right yeah like wildly regarded as sucking at defense Blake Wheeler a little bit better but like kind of a dick I agree right like Blake Wheeler is a little he's probably the most defensively responsible forward unless you count like Brian Whittle on LTIR but Blake Wheeler is a defensive guy but like Kyle Connor doesn't defend well at all Nick actually Nicolai Ewers is probably the best defensive forward I don't watch enough of the Jets to really have an opinion on this. Okay, well, Nikolai Ewers is probably their most well-rounded forward. Blake Wheeler is like, meh. Shifley sucks at defense. Kyle Connor can't play defense. Patrick Wine, they didn't defend well. So they didn't really have – like, their shutdown options had to come from the third line, like Adam Lowry. Like, Winnipeg was trying to shut down a team. They couldn't put Shifley out there, right? They couldn't put Kyle Connor out there. But – for Palmer is coming into Florida where there's a lot of really good two-way players like Sam Reinhart, like Barkov, like Lindell. And they're also top offensive players. So I think that's something he's not, he hasn't had recently in Winnipeg. And I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a huge benefit to him as a coach and allow him to, to play his stars more and get better results. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I am too. I think, you know, it's, it's not, you didn't see it coming, but I think it's the best of a of a decent situation because you know you look at his track record, you look at what type of person he is. It's he's been in the league forever, like literally, he's been in the league forever. He yeah, started like the youngest started, head coach in history, right? Yeah, he started coaching, youngest head coach in history to reach the hundred a thousand wins mark, like pretty ridiculous um when he started coaching in the nhl there were still ties yeah like that's well did he not coach the whalers he did yeah so like and and, and so this guy's been around since the whalers and he's still not old that's the thing right he he actually he i put him in the same category as john cooper in terms of like coaching style, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I, I have a ton of respect for John Cooper, minus the shenanigans he pulled 
um, in the Stanley Cup final, although I completely understand what he was doing. And I think... Well, what's he going to do so... on the Colorado goals? Nah, protest. Like, I think it's, like, bullshit, but, like, I respect the hustle. And it worked. Like, they won game three after... Or they won game five after, you know, he, he made this big deal. So, I... um. No, I, I completely respect it. And I, I think they're very comparable in terms of coaching style. So it's going to be really interesting to see these Battle of Floridas with these two guys behind the helm. Um, and I'm, I'm really I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And I think we're well, really like the Panthers like hiring Palmeries was not even the best news of the week. The best news of the week that week came from a couple of days before when the Dallas Stars announced they'd hired Peter, Pete DeBoer. Because immediately I was like, well, that's the one I, you know, I was going to be, you know, more or less happy with anyone else, but Pete DeBoer, Pete DeBoer would have represented like just so boring, so bad, no reason. Right. Like, obviously you'd have your preference of guys, but Pete DeBoer was the worst option. So once he was off the board, I was like, okay, but what dodged? Like, I don't know. In Dallas, I don't. It's really interesting to, to me what Dallas is doing by hiring Pete DeBoer because they have a ton of like, they have at least three, like, elite prospects right now. Stan Coven, Wyatt Johnson, and uh, Maverick Bork. And those are only like those are the Canadian guys. Yeah. I I don't know what their uh, the rest of their prospect uh, prospect pool looks like, but. And Pete DeBoer doesn't really strike me as a guy who is really, you know, like willing to give these guys chances. No, and it's also on top of like they have some really good young players already on that team. Like I don't, I don't think Pete DeBoer makes them a better team. No, no, I, I would actually argue he makes them a worse team. You know, it's it's this frustrating coaching carousel and. And if you look at the NFL, look at the NFL and the the two coaches that were in the Super Bowl were less than, I don't know, 40 years old, two yeah. young guys. That's what's so frustrating about the NHL is you're just constantly revolving, you know, yeah. rotating. And, like, and the thing is, like, candidates. there's never I, any new person that's thrown into the system. And, like, I get it, like, oh, like – there are some coaches in the coaching carousel that I believe are legitimately great coaches or get let go for the wrong reasons. Like not every coach that ends up available is a bad coach to recycle. Yeah. Like, like Barry Trotz is a great coach. I think Bruce Cassidy is a good coach, right? I think Paul Maurice is a decent coach, but then there are some coaches like Pete DeBoer where it's like, why, why are we recycling this mediocrity? Exactly. Right, like, I still haven't. I, I I still don't have a, a, an answer for that to that question. I, like I just I don't understand it. It's it's the the mirage that just all you need is experience. Yeah, and I don't think that's true. No, I, I right. I like you looked at the Stanley Cup final, and those were two first time head coaches. Yep. And I don't think either of those teams regret hiring their coach. Nope. And so, yeah, I would like to see West Coast coaches. I, I do really like the Detroit hire. I do too. I, re- I think that's a great hire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what their, the history was but between um, 
between Derek and uh, and Iserman. But um, I, I think that's a really, really good hire. I, I, I totally agree. I think that's one of, of all the, like, of the coaching hires we've seen this summer. It's, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them that's going to be the most fun, though, is Rick Bonus in Winnipeg. Because Rick Bonus, who used to be their head coach, but he's also, like, very defensively minded. <laughs> and as I'll point out again, like, they have no defensively minded forwards. You kind of need a defensively minded coach when like your goaltending's kind of hit or miss. The goaltending is the one thing that they just I mean they might trade him to be honest. I mean, I pity the team that trades for him. I pity the teams in the division of the team that trades for him. <laughs> <laughs> but like to me that one's like the biggest like water and oil mix of like I know. I can't wait to see it. Um but either way, like I'm, I feel confident with Palmer Reese. I think he's going to do a good job. But I do feel bad for Andrew Burnett. And yeah. you know, but but you hear he's also like rumored around a couple other teams in the league, and so hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of too bad it didn't work out a little bit better in Florida. Yeah, it it, it is what it is. But um, he's a good coach. Like he still brought them to to where they got. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that he just he was not ready for the playoffs. Yeah. And I, so I would like to see like a team, maybe with a young team that's building towards something, you know, in the future, I'd love to see them bring in Andrew Burnett and have the coach and team kind of grow together. Kind of like what we saw with Bedner in Colorado. See, like I could, t- I, I could see that happening in quite a few spots, but for some reason the teams just already have coaches that are not good. Yeah. Also, San Jose firing on a coach last week. A little late. <laughs> a little late to get in the mix. Wait till every like major coach and candidate's off the board and be like, you know what? Do we even want this guy? A week before the draft? No coach. No, no, no full-time GM. Like, oh man, I don't know what San I don't know what San Jose's doing. Yeah. There's a few teams in the league right now. You just look at it and you're like, why? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? You know, actually, I'm thinking, you know, it would be a really good spot for Andrew Burnett. I mean, he's rumored around, like, I think Chicago and a couple other teams. Well, Chicago what? already hired Luke Richardson. Right. But he was rumored around there before they, they decided yeah, yeah, yeah. to bring Luke in. But I have no idea what – well, Chicago Chicago doesn't make any sense to me. Nah. Chicago changes their mind every week, it seems, on what they are. Yeah. yeah. But the one place where I think Andrew Burnett would be perfect, and he, he won't go there because they actually do have a head coach currently. But, like – the New Jersey Devils. Get Lindy Ruff out. Dude, what is Lindy Ruff doing there? <laughs> he literally, he he was assistant coach with the Rangers one day, took the wrong subway, ended up at Prudential Center in Newark, and they were just like, oh, like, do you want to be head coach? Like, there is no logic to that hiring whatsoever. Yeah, so personally, I think Andrew Burnett would be a great fit there. The other team I was thinking about was Seattle, because as, as you know, I have no idea what Seattle's doing with Dave Hackstall. I don't know what anyone would do with Dave Hackstall. So th- those were the two teams that I was thinking of that, man, like Andrew Burnett could be so much better than what they have now. Yeah. And he's available. Like, go get him. Like, somebody. Yeah, do something. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, draft coming up. 
this week. Looking forward to that. Obviously, we will be posting uh, our next episode on Thursday uh, with our – we'll break down kind of the first round, some guys we like in the Panthers range. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but thank you so much to everyone uh, listening into this one. We appreciate it, as always. And we'll be back Thursday with a brand-new episode. We'll see you all then. Do the-